0: Who Gets to Decide, a liberty-based podcast that brings a little piece of sanity to a confused society drowning in a culture of craziness. And here is your host, Seth
1: Martin. And welcome to another episode of Who Gets to Decide. This is Seth Martin, your host. Thank you for joining. Happy you're here. Glad you're listening. Well, some liberals are taking the side of free speech and... Actually, sticking to civil liberties and principles, and I thought we would take um, a very popular show on HBO, uh, Bill Maher's show, and and listen to what he says about free speech. I think it's always good to listen to the other side, and um, you know, try to understand their point of view. But uh, Bill Maher, in fact, he's actually he's actually more free speech oriented than his guests that he has on. You know, a lot of times he has a panel on there. And I don't watch a lot of Bill Maher, but I did see this and I thought it would be important to bring up for those that do watch Bill Maher or, you know, like Bill Maher. I think he's a smart person. I don't agree with his point of view. And he's kind of snarky. And, you know, I understand that he's a comedian. I mean, he's supposed to be about satire and You know, making jokes and things like that. But um, anyway, I just thought it was interesting that he, you know, seems to be on the side of uh, free speech here and is actually pushing pretty hard and makes some really good points. And I thought it would serve our our mission well to listen to Bill Maher comment on what he has to say and then listen to, I got a couple of clips in there from his guests and actually kind of contrast the way they think about free speech and it's funny when you when when you have these guys they'll they they kind of take the position of like well everybody agrees that there should be free speech and then they put the but in there but you know misinformation russia you know all this stuff we can't have that you know russian bots and look i i think i think um Elon Musk has been on record as saying he wants to get rid of the bots, so he wants real people talking about real things on Twitter. And that doesn't mean you're not going to have people that don't come on there and hate people, call people names and things like that. That's going to happen, uh, but that's what the block function is for. That's why you. That's why you can block certain people, is that they they um, are you know too nasty and not productive in the conversation, you can block them. And that, that feature exists today. So I don't understand the whole hate speech thing and meanness. You know, people talk about people being mean on Twitter and things like that. So I think that's all just a distraction. I think the, the thing we should all be focused on is free speech and the, what, uh, Bill Maher calls the de facto town square, which is, I think also, um, uh Elon's Elon Musk's uh description of of Twitter and uh I think that's the productive and and uh the right way to think about what's going on there with Twitter.
2: Let's just start with it is a private company. Mm-hmm. They can do whatever they want, right. Let's let's get past that. Yep. That's a dodge answer. Yeah, what what Musk is saying is but it is de facto the town square and some sheriff could should come in and say what good is the First Amendment if we're the place where people are really talking, they can't talk?
1: It's a simple point, but a very important question, right? Um, you know, nobody's, uh, nobody's out trying to take away your free speech from standing in front of your house and talking or uh, standing on the side of the road and talking. But where a lot of uh, Republicans and Democrats and just people in the government in general what they don't like about Twitter is the reach that it gives the average person. And they don't like that. They want to control, uh, you know, they, they have a fair amount of control over the media. It's not, you know, it's not, uh, it's not compulsory control or anything like that. It's voluntary, but it's just, it's just that the media is populated with people that share, you know, a, a central, a strong central authorities power. They share that, that, that idea. And so they're not interested in reporting on, um, you know, uh, stories that, that push back on that power. COVID was a great example of that, right? You had uh, the, the media was pushing the CDC talking points every day or Dr. Fauci's talking points every day they weren't, they weren't giving, they weren't even allowing the other side to be, to be shared in the media. Uh, and there were people out there saying, Hey, you know, um, this ivermectin is an antiviral. It works or this hydroxychloroquine, you know, it works or, Hey, the vaccines don't seem to be as effective as Pfizer and Moderna say they are. You know, these were all, all these kinds of viewpoints were buried. They just weren't, allowed to see the the light of day. I think what he needs to think about is our democracy, which is struggling at the
0: moment, relies upon an informed electorate. And that's always been a problem for us historically, but social media is not helping us become a more informed electorate. So there's a responsibility even by a private company or private actors to say, am I making a bad situation worse and how do I get you that town square that is so valuable without wrecking society? And I think Twitter could have a serious conversation with itself about that, asking Facebook.
1: This argument about an informed society is an interesting one because, I mean, I agree with the guy. We don't have an informed electorate. We don't have an informed society. But every day that goes by, our government tries to make it so that you don't have to be informed about anything. They just keep giving people stuff. And, you know, what what those people see is, well, I don't have to learn a skill. I don't I have to learn anything or do anything. I can just... Collect from the government. I mean, the government will help me uh, get my business. It'll pave the way for my business. It'll, if I'm if I'm uh, not productive and don't want to work, it'll take care of me and pay my rent. You know, HUD will pitch in for half my rent, and the government will buy half my food. And uh, you know, it'll give me credits back for all the kids that I have. You know, just stuff like this, right? So we we don't even we don't really foster. A system that re- even requires an informed electorate, and so to me that's a whole different story. Um, but what you don't what you don't do is you don't say, well, because we don't have an informed electorate, we're not going to have social media so that people can't share ideas and communicate. I mean, that's that's just dumb. That that's not helping anything. Um, if you want to have an informed electorate, electorate, then maybe you should uh, have better public schools, uh, or maybe you shouldn't focus so hard on trying to get everybody to vote. You know, why do we want people uninformed to vote? Isn't it better to just let those people that care and understand the issues vote? I mean, this guy, you know, this argument, this is Ali, Ali, uh, Velshi. Um, I mean, it's just not even a a very good argument, um, and, and it doesn't have anything to do with free speech. Um, I think it. I think it kind of comes under that that control thing. I mean, these guys think they can control everything, and so uh, they want to regulate it, and they want to control it, and they want to decide who gets to talk and who doesn't, and who gets buried in the conversation and who gets amplified in the conversation. And this, of course, is not what. Um, Elon Musk is uh, is about, um, he's, he's about, no, It's this is anybody that wants to speak and has something to say should be able to say it on Twitter. That's That's what he's about.
2: But that's not really where the argument is. The argument to me is like, has Twitter failed in setting themselves up in the past as the judge of what can go out there? And I would say yes, <clears throat> you have. You failed when you threw the New York Post off of Twitter for talking about Hunter Biden's emails, and it turned out that was a real story. Right. You failed when you said we couldn't read about whether COVID had come from a lab.
1: You failed. Bill Maher's taken a pretty pretty direct approach here, and uh, he's kind of disagreeing with the guy and says, look, that's not really where the argument is. And he's right. He's absolutely right. I mean... This is something that politicians constantly do. They deflect the conversation from what the actual argument is, and the argument here here is is that um, the stewards of Twitter failed in 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 protecting free speech, and there is a requirement for a new sheriff, and of course Elon Musk saw that, and that's why he decided to buy the company, but. He gives some great examples there. Those those are some of the examples we've given on this program. You know, the, the Joe Biden, like him or not, probably would not have been elected had that story been allowed to uh, propagate through the internet. He just, just probably wouldn't have been elected. Nobody wants to hire somebody as the president who is that crooked. And th- that laptop basically demonstrated that him and his whole family are leeches and crooks and living off the rest of us, not just with their government salary either. Um, I saw a report the other day that was saying that, uh, the Biden family, they've been able to connect at least $31 million in payments from China. So this doesn't even include Ukraine. This is just China, $31 million in payments to the Biden family. I mean, that's, I mean, why do they get to make $31 million? And the rest of us have to struggle to produce what we produce for our fellow Americans and our fellow human beings. Why do they get to just skim $31 million off of us? Because they're powerful because they're connected. I mean, that's not, that's not what America is about. That's not, it's not quote-unquote equity. I mean, it's it's just theft. It's just straight-up theft. And to make matters worse, now that he's in a position of power, it could be compromising him and potentially leading to a war that we don't really want to be in or some other, maybe a trade deal that that's really not good for Americans or who knows what other kinds of, uh, you know, uh, compromises he might make to protect those relationships and there's dozens of stories I mean this is just one story but um, there's dozens and dozens of stories all the stuff about Trump all that stuff all that Russia hoax and stuff that I mean you couldn't get away from it because CNN and MSNBC were talking about it every day but all of that turned out every single bit of it turned out to be a big lie and you couldn't say anything on it on social media without getting your account canceled. So it's just, I mean, to Bill Maher's point, they failed. It's just that simple. Twitter failed at managing the de facto town square for America and really the world. They posted a funny video. This is funny to them. Okay,
2: sensitive content, Twitter said. In the video, they were making fun of Twitter for being too sensitive. This is so through the looking glass. And here's what happens in the video. This woman who, going into the Twitter building, this is, you know, parody. This is what people do on television and have done forever. Okay, she's complaining to HR about how sensitive Twitter is. And the guy shows her an inkblot, and she keeps seeing Hitler in all the inkblots. Okay, then she runs screaming out of the building because she's... This is, sat- this is right. well within what satire has always been. And the fact that they flagged this for being insensitive shows their complete lack of self-awareness about what their own
1: problem is. If that's where the line is, you have failed, Twitter. Yeah, it's, it's hard to dispute what he's talking about. Um, the, 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 way the, the way they've been able to try to obscure it, though, is they've been able to call that disinformation. See, he's calling it by the right name. He's calling it satire or parody. This is what Saturday Night Live is. When you watch Saturday Night Live, that's what you're watching. You're watching parodies. You're watching satire. And it's funny. And it's supposed to reveal something about you that maybe you don't really know about yourself, right? We make fun of people because sometimes things aren't obvious to the people doing the things that they're doing. Like Kamala Harris, for example, when she just says like a word salad and and never it doesn't mean anything you know would she may not even be aware that she's doing that right, but then if you do a parody on Kamala Harris doing something like that and and you make it really exaggerated, well then all of a sudden Kamala Harris knows exactly what she's doing, and it's funny for us, and it's informative to her. <laughs> So, you know, this thing, this uh, satire that he's describing about Twitter, it's supposed to be funny for us, but it's supposed to be informative to Twitter and they're supposed to learn from it. And of course they don't. They just call it disinformation and they move on down the road and therein lies the problem.
2: But the fact of the matter is insensitivity is one thing. Flat out Misinformation, disinformation, flat-out lies—nothing. Fake news. Fake news is a lie. Let's just let's uh. put it out there. Fake news is nothing but a lie, and things that incite violence, things that like that. I think there is a responsibility. right. Well, that's that's in the First Amendment. You can't right. You that's can't right. incite violence, and we're all
1: this Congressman Doug Jones. You know, he he can't seem to make an argument to save his life. You know. Um, and to me this is something you, you do you see people do from time to time when they don't really know what to say they just kind of talk in circles and he's talking about misinformation and disinformation and and let's just admit that fake news that's a lie you know well, well nobody's disputing whether or not if something is fake whether or not it's a lie or not the problem becomes when people can just declare something is fake when there's other people over there making arguments on the other side saying, you know, no, that's not fake. Or, you know, no, you're not following the argument. Let me explain. And then those people are just disappeared from the Internet because nobody wants to hear their explanation. Nobody wants to hear the thought process behind the argument they're trying to make. You've just got people out there just dismissing um people that want to speak as fake news or misinformation or disinformation and that is the problem look if there's misinformation taking place on twitter it gets handled pretty quickly there there are, there's no shortage of people that will come on twitter and tell you you're wrong they'll cite some article they'll explain to you i mean you 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 can say something wrong on twitter and within 30 minutes they'll be 500 people, it'll tell you you're wrong. So, and that gets shared with everybody, okay? There is no need to have some authority, you know, some disinformation czar declaring things fake news or whatever. That's, that's not necessary. The back and forth that occurs in the de facto town square, which is Twitter, will get to the truth, Okay. You just got to let it happen. That The problem is with these authoritarians is they don't want that information coming out in the first place. They don't want the possibility of that information undermining their authority in government. That's the problem. And that's why this guy Doug Jones has so much difficulty talking about this because he's part of the problem. He's a congressman. He doesn't want to see all the... The 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 people yakking at him about how they're under he's undermining their liberty or he's taking their money or whatever he doesn't want to he doesn't want to hear it okay that's really what's going on here
0: no one else is going to regulate them because we've learned that we're not anywhere close to being able to understand this and regulate social media so could these companies take some responsibility and say imagine if we were really that town square imagine if right. we were this place where well, people with differing opinions could have robust discussions and, and there's a way they can get there it's not what Elon Musk is currently looking at and that worries me a little bit but boy if he could do that if we can create that real town square what would it do for us you, you do what you try and do it on your show right you you, you, you battle people with different opinions with respect and respect right. their pluralism right that's what that space would do for democracy exactly.
1: And that's what it will do. <laughs> that's what it will naturally happen if they'll just quit jacking around with it. Um, you know, he, he says, well, that's not really what Elon Musk is trying to do. He doesn't know what the hell he's talking about. You know, everything I've read and everything I've heard, that's exactly what Elon Musk is trying to do. He's trying to He's trying to create a space where there's back and forth Discussion slash arguments slash opinions, where the truth and consensus can emerge. So we've talked about this before that arriving at the truth is a process. It's there is no ministry of truth. There is no person or group of people that work for the government or any other entity that can just declare something is true. There's only there's only information. Study scientific journals, things like that. Pe- evidence people that people that use things like that as evidence, and then there's arguments back and forth, and then some sort of truth emerges. Unlike what we had during COVID, you know, where uh, Deborah Burks or Anthony Fauci would get up on TV every day and and give the their idea about what we needed to do and and what how we were going to stop the spread and all this kind of stuff. They're just their opinions. There were just one or two opinions of millions of opinions. There were many, many other doctors that were using tried and true drugs as alternative treatments and having success and publishing and sharing that information with other doctors and doing what they should be doing as doctors. But all that information was just buried. It was like, it was like we're no, we're just here to sell vaccines and that's that. And, Um, The government's got this emergency use authorization and we're back in Pfizer and Moderna. And uh, by the way, we've all got, you know, we're getting a little bit of kickback on all this stuff. I mean, you know, we don't know about that information. But I mean, that's that's, you know, that's the implication anyway, is that they were doing it out of self-interest somehow.
2: Twitter became a left wing place.
0: It just did. That, you should see good. my Twitter. There's a lot of right wing garbage did, on it. Did, did you ever
2: well, see Donald Trump's tweets? I, yeah. I mean, Trump?
0: Yeah. That, <laughs> I, I, you know, I mean, Trump was. That was left wing stuff. That yeah, what okay. left wing stuff. But
2: the point is like MSNBC, Fox News, I mean, people have their own silos where they see mm-hmm. the news that they want to see and very rarely challenges them. Correct. Newspapers the same way. We're almost back to 1790 where each party has their own newspaper. Twitter could be a place where you might see an opinion that you didn't formally consider. Uh And we need that desperately in America.
1: So he makes a statement that Twitter became a left-wing place and it's just immediately Trump. Trump. Have you seen Trump's tweets? Have you seen Trump, Trump, Trump? I mean, these people are just mentally ill when it comes to Trump. I mean, it's unbelievable, really. And then, of course, he clarifies in, in... And states a really important point uh, as part of his clarification that, look, you know, everybody goes to to watch news where their their own opinions can be confirmed, you know, the confirmation bias. So it's really not so much about news as it is confirmation bias. Let's just go somewhere where our biases can be confirmed and we can feel good about the information that we know. And the point he's trying to make is, look, you're scrolling through Twitter. You might actually see an opinion that you hadn't heard before that might resonate with you. And you might be persuaded to think differently. And we desperately need that in this country. And he's right. We do. We do desperately need that. Especially during something like COVID. I mean, golly, there was was so much... Uh, everything was on, in, in terms of information, was all on one side. I mean, it was just, you just, I don't know, you just had massive numbers of people just thinking, well, yeah, you got to get the vaccine. I mean, corporations even were thinking about making it mandatory. Nowhere in there was there any discussion about people's individual liberty or the fact that the vaccine was experimental and hadn't actually gone through any kind of trials yet none of that, none of that information was being said. It was just, no, you got to take this so you don't die. And of course, a whole bunch of people didn't take it. And a bunch of people didn't die. In fact, some people died from taking the vaccine. So, I mean, you know, we need an open space there. And Elon Musk is right. And God bless him for stepping up Mr. Deep, Deep Pockets and trying to do something. When the rest of the world just wants to talk about Republicans and Democrats and screw our values, right, our principles. We, we don't need free speech anyway. We just need to figure out what's fake news and what's real news. Yeah, like that's going to happen.
2: Now, I see President Obama spoke at Stanford University a couple of weeks ago, and he's talking about this issue of disinformation. He said these companies... Companies we're talking about need to have some North Star other than just making money. Yes, I think the North Star should be free speech. Mm
1: -hmm. Isn't it funny how, you know, somebody like Obama just won't go away? You know, George Bush, I mean, he got us into some wars and, you know, I mean, he really had a horrible presidency in retrospect. But the best thing about George Bush is he went away. He just went away and lived his life, started painting he put out a book with a bunch of paintings in it. Obamas, the Obamas just won't go away. You know they're trying to be on Spotify and have a podcast, and Spotify cut them loose because they're not making any money. Nobody's listening to them. <clears throat> and uh, but the media loves Obama, and they're going to put him on TV every chance they can. But uh, he, he's he's I got to agree with Bill Maher on this. The Gen Z people are too snowflakey. I mean, they're just too sensitive. I don't know, I don't know how these kids grew up that made them so sensitive, but they just—they uh, think free speech, to his point, is something that offends them, uh, or they—they they think you—you uh, you can't have free speech because it can be so offensive, and you know their feelings get hurt. Like their feelings are the most important thing. Well, what about your life? You know, free speech. The thing that, that, that it preserves more than anything is your life uh, because it gives you an ability to uh, dissent and vocalize that dissent without violence. If you, did, if you couldn't speak freely, the only way you could show your dissent would be to pick up a gun and start shooting people. And that's not Western civilization. That's not a society that anybody wants to live in. So, yeah, these people are way too sensitive and they're focused on the wrong principles. Uh, Your life and your liberty are the most important thing. And free speech is one of the, it's probably, it may be the single most important thing that you can use peacefully to preserve those things.
2: I'd rather have Elon Musk making the rules than some (laughs) 23-year-old who can't take the joke on Babylon. Beeswax or whatever the fuck that is. I mean, this is a generation that doesn't know what the word violence means. They think violence means anything I don't like. Their standard of free
1: speech is I'm uncomfortable.
2: That's not where the standard
1: right. is. Bill Maher is absolutely right. That is not the standard. The standard is not, it's not even truth. Speech is, I mean, it's not even against the law to. to Tell an untruth with your free speech. That's why this whole disinformation thing is a bunch of crap. It doesn't make any sense to to limit speech, even if you think it's disinformation. The very act of having free speech will ferret out the truth, even in the the face of disinformation. This This is the point. So... You know, this reminds me of a, I have this little book and it's called, How Do You Kill 11 Million People? And of course, it's about the Holocaust. And um, basically, he says, you lie to them. Okay, you lie to them. Now, if if you don't have free speech and someone's lying to you or lying to a group of people, there's nobody that can stand up and say, that's a lie. There's nobody that can tell the other side of the story. You're just stuck with a lie. So I want to read to you from that little book that I was telling you about. Now, the story that I'm about to tell you came out of testimony from the Nuremberg trials. But the guy in charge of the Final Solution for the Jewish people was a guy named Adolf Eichmann, and the guy was very, he was very tenacious. I mean, he was like a CEO of a corporation. I mean, he was focused on his goal. But let me just read from this, this uh, starting point right here. It says, An intricate web of lies to be delivered in stages was designed to ensure the cooperation of the condemned Jews. First, as barbed wire fences were erected, encircling entire neighborhoods, Eichmann or his representatives met with Jewish leaders to assure them that the physical restrictions being placed upon their community, known as the ghettos, were only temporary necessities of war. As long as they cooperated, he told them, no harm would come to those inside the fence. Second, bribes were taken from the Jews in the the promise of better living conditions. The bribes convinced the Jews that the situation was indeed temporary and no further harm would befall them. After all, they reasoned, why would the Nazis accept bribes if they only intended to kill us and take everything away? The first two stages of deception were conducted to prevent uprisings or even escape. Finally, Eichmann would appear before a gathering of the entire ghetto, accompanied by an entourage of no more than 30 local men and officers in his town. Many unarmed, he addressed the crowd in a strong, clear voice, according to sworn statements. And these were likely his exact words. At last, it can be reported to you that the Russians are advancing on our Eastern Front. I apologize for the hasty way we brought you into our protection. Unfortunately, there was little time to explain. You have nothing to worry about. We we want only the best for you. You will leave here shortly and be sent to very fine places indeed. You will work there, your wives will stay at home, and your children will go to school. You will have wonderful lives. We will all be terribly crowded on the trains, but the journey is short. Men, please keep your families together and board the rail cars in an orderly manner. Quickly, now, my friends, we must hurry. He goes on to say the Jewish husbands and fathers were relieved by the explanation and confirmed, or excuse me, and com- comforted by the fact that there weren't more armed soldiers. They helped their families into the rail cars. The containers designed to transport eight cows were each packed with a minimum of 100 human beings and quickly padlocked. At that moment, they were lost. The trains rarely stopped until they were well inside the gates of Auschwitz. Just imagine that you're back in 1941 and you're listening to the news or you're reading the newspaper and it tells you about those first two lies and you, you have no way of uh, knowing whether those are true or not. They were reported by the newspaper and uh, maybe, maybe the only newspaper. And, and, of course, the first two lies uh, were a big part of being able to propagate the third and final lie. But if you don't have, if you don't have some pushback, you don't have people protesting, then those people are lost. I mean, they're, you just lied them right into Auschwitz. And that's the kind of thing we need to avoid in the United States. I've said this many times on this program before, but governments killed 100 million people in the 20th century. Governments. Not Nazis, not angry white men, not black people, not Mexicans. Governments, okay? That's what people need to remember and that's the focus of liberty. Maximizing liberty keeps you from having your government kill you. And if you don't think it's possible, just sit around long enough and it will happen. I mean, these people are insane, and the quicker we come to understand that, the better off we'll be.
0: Right. Yeah. So the, I, I think what we are missing in the discussion of democracy and/or free speech, which is important, I think, to all of us and all of us here. Is, is this idea of pluralism, which we do not nurture well enough in this country. The idea that, Bill, my goal tonight shouldn't be get, to get you to agree with me. It should be to cherish the fact that you and I hold different views on things, and I wouldn't have been exposed to them if I had not listened to you. Right, yep. right? That's absolutely. Point. Right. I hope so. Let's make that our North Star. Uh, I, I think we can generally agree most Americans are in favor of free speech and preserving it, and they should be, well. because when did the lights go out? you don't get the news and when you don't get the news, bad things happen to you. Well, most Americans aren't. Yeah.
1: Well, I like Bill Maher's idea better, just just have free speech as the North Star. What, I mean pluralism pluralism comes out of free speech, right? I mean that's, that's a feature of having free speech uh, or a symptom rather of having free speech. What causes pluralism is the very act of being able to speak freely and having those ideas coalesce in the marketplace of ideas and then and then they're shared and they're reported on. So I don't know, the guys these guys just don't want to talk about free speech. They they literally don't want free speech. They wanna this guy Ali Velshi, he's in the media. He wants to be able to decide what you hear and what's true and what's not. He wants to be he wants to report. He wants to have the power to report on what's true and what's not. And Doug Jones, the congressman, he wants the power to to declare what's true and what's not. So, I don't know. You know, these guys, they kind of changed the topic here at the end. But uh, I think free speech is a better North Star than pluralism. I think pluralism just naturally happens when you have free speech.
2: Certainly not most Americans under 30. Because we stopped teaching it in schools. Civics doesn't exist anymore. They don't know what the... the, the, They don't know that... Free speech, what the fuck does that mean? It hurt my feelings. That's what matters to them. That's what I worry about. I mean, I hear it all the time.
1: Yeah, you know, I think there's a a respectful way to communicate to people uh, without, you know, telling them they're stupid or their ideas are dumb or anything like that. But you have to know... You have to have some mastery of the subject if you're going to try to convince somebody of something or you're going to try to persuade somebody. Um, These people that just run around and go, that's violence or something, you know, your speech is violence. To me, that's not much different than running around saying healthcare is a right. I mean, you just don't know what you're talking about. You're trying to convince people of something, but um but you're basically taking advantage of the fact that they don't really understand um the difference between a positive right and a negative right and so you're kind of counting on the fact that you know they don't get healthcare for very inexpensive and it's every time they use it it's it, it damn near bankrupts them so you want to tell them that they should have it for free it's it should be a human right and that's kind of the same thing and same thing with free speech you you know if you don't really understand why we have free speech then yeah i guess you could run around and say you know look it hurts my feelings that you get to talk about your free speech or that you get to tell me what you think about certain things but the reality is it's more important than that it's 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 fundamental to, to uh life and liberty uh and and that's what that's what's important about who gets to decide so um look You know, if you like the show, share it. We're going to wrap up today. That's about it. But um, you know, there's uh, there's a lot of other people. You know, whether they hear it from me or they hear it from somebody else, we need to be talking about these ideas in a different way than than just listening to you know some pundit on the news. Um, One of the things I've been doing lately is watching Kennedy because I like uh, she has Dave Smith on, and she also has. Scott Horton, and I love these guys because they're so principally minded. You can just tell by the way they they talk about uh, whatever the question is, is that they're focused on the underlying principles, and they're not focused on being popular or you know what what do Republicans think and what do Democrats think and am I going to get a is somebody in the Democratic Party going to give me a job or somebody in the Republican Party going to give me a job? They just they just speak from principle. And that's, that's what's so refreshing about some people out there. So look, whether you're listening to me, you may not like the way I talk about it. I don't have the greatest voice for radio, but, uh, there are other people out there talking about these things and find, find your group and listen to them and share these ideas because they're very, very important. And we all need to, um, remember, you know, what, how we lost weight in the first place. I think I used that analogy last time. You know, we w- when we lose weight, we have to do certain things, right? We have to abide by certain principles. Namely, you know, you take in fewer calories than you, than, you, uh, than you burn. But then over time, you start to forget, you know, how did I lose that weight? And so you start eating ice cream and cookies and, you know, a lot of bread and things like that. Next thing you know, the weight has come back. So Uh, I think that's a great analogy for where we are as a country. We uh, we once knew these principles; these were embedded in our lives, and now we've just you know uh, they're just not. They're just they're a distant memory, and we need to bring those back, and we need to share them with other people, and we need to talk about these kinds of issues in a way that really will solve the problems, not just uh, not just cover them over.